Hey, welcome to the uh, True Alignment Podcast. I'm Edgar Papke. And I'm Ken Sagendorf. Coming, we're coming live to you from the Gronowski Innovation Incubator in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in Denver, Colorado. How are you doing, Edgar? Doing all right. Thank you very much. And you? I'm doing just fine. Good. Life I, treating you well. It is. It is. I need to mow the lawn, though. Did did mine before the uh, rain and the hail yesterday. Uh, we got like five and a half inches of rain this month, so it's hard to keep up. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting. The other the other nice uh, part of it is we're we're out here in Denver, and you look at the Front Range and the mountains. And um, the last couple of years, it's been concerning because the snow caps have by June have pretty much been gone. Yeah, and now right now they they just look absolutely beautiful. Um, the contrast between the mountains and the sky and the, and the snow. And uh, it's just beautiful, 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 uh, beautiful scene. Yeah. I got to give a talk last week to the, uh, the Denver leadership foundations access Denver program. That's, uh, 60 or so new CEOs to the area. Wow. And so they parade in a collection of professionals to kind of give them the what's what in town. And, um, the Denver water guy was on right before me. And it was fantastic. It was a fantastic to learn about the Colorado River Basin and the, you know, the dispute between the upper basin and lower basin states and, you know, what they're really trying to do to conserve water. And, and that's, uh, yeah, that's an old client of ours. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Good. Pretty phenomenal. Um, today, uh, we have a special guest. So, you know, we've had guests from around the world. Uh, today, we have a guest from a different time zone. Uh, our friend Jay Schreiber from he's joining us from Seattle. Are you actually in Seattle proper, Jay? Yeah, yeah, Seattle proper, and I'm missing uh, Denver. Yeah, we were talking about the uh, place that I love, and it was I was definitely feeling the the sadness. Yeah. So, how long have you loss. been there? You just uh, Jay and his family moved. Um, not uh, so long ago. This summer, it'll be. We're coming up on a year. Ah, has it been um, that long? Yeah. Yeah. So I could, we, we moved, my wife, uh, is from Seattle. We, we lived here. We left, um, did a couple of years in Denver and then the job that she was waiting on pretty much, uh, opened up. Uh, and it was one of those, as soon as a job was posted, you do the math. Uh, and it's like, Oh, well, she's got to get the job. I got to figure out everything else. And I've got about a month till we got to be there. So, that was my life almost a year ago. Um, I remember. I, think, yeah. I remember the move in a scramble. Um, <laughs> so, so my sense of this is that her family's out there. Yeah. So it's yeah. family and being close and yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Chicago, um, mm. and so Which, uh, by Denver the way, seems our, like yeah. our producer. I just want clarity here. Our producer James always confuses Cleveland and Chicago. <laughs> And I keep reminding him, Chicago's the blues and the hot dogs. Cleveland's uh-huh, the rock uh-huh. and roll and Slimans corned beef sandwiches. Shout out to Slimans, uh-huh. best corned beef sandwich in the country. So I, I just have a question. Like, I I never think of hot dogs when I think of Chicago. It's true. P- what what do you Chicago think of when you think of Chicago? Well, dish pizza. pizza. He's in his coast. And Italian beef sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, and so you got to watch The Bear, by the way. Which is a fantastic show. It is around okay. an Italian beef the sandwich bear? store, the Bear. Oh. Yep. I think it's on. Hulu. I don't know where it's on. Try Hulu. Um, 
but it's fantastic. But I bring okay. up this Chicago hot dog thing because, yeah. um, <laughs> because my family and I are watching the third why season not, <laughs> of the third season of Ted Lasso. And, uh, yes, don't, don't, you can't say anything. I, I can't, I, I won't, I won't dog. spill anything about the plot. I won't spell anything okay. about the plot of Ted Lasso, but we have, my oldest daughter has come home and um, she was the only one not caught up. And so, you know, the third season we were watching it like old school TV where we'd have to wait every week for new episodes to come out. Ooh. And we were, we were eight or so episodes in. And so my oldest hadn't caught up. So we, we rewatched the episodes with her, which is, it's such a great show to rewatch just cause it's so well done. Um, but the, this last episode that we watched last night, the the Nigerian gentleman's trying to start a, a new football league, and he says, "And my favorite dish is Chicago hot dogs." I mean, how Chicago hot dogs two days in a row? Yeah, yeah. Just- you know, it's funny because I was like, "I'm not going to bring up the movie reference because I'm going to beat Ken," <laughs> um, and you and you beat me like right in the opener oh, there was it's no not chance. really a movie never it's a television a series it's more it's more yeah, that's right it's oh, the movie reference is still coming yeah that's yeah. still coming okay <laughs> i think somebody asked you that on one of these episodes they said do you come in with that reference or do you think of it while uh and i think sometimes it depends um i gotta tell you the only thing that we came into today in this conversation yeah. is we had your name that's pretty much it. It's like, oh yeah, Jay's on today. Here we go. But you know more about me than just my name. So I would, while I was in Denver, I was teaching at Regis, and I want to, I want to start with a thank you to Ken, um, a lot because of I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I emailed Abby, uh, Doctor Abby Schneider, uh, when we first moved to Denver a few years earlier, and I came and pitched an idea to to her and Ken mm-hmm. and some other folks who aren't at Regis anymore. And we just kind of kept in touch. And then she said, um, hey, I've got a spot. You want to teach? And I said, sure. That sounds great. Uh, what am I teaching? <laughs> I've never done that before. Um, and through, she was on maternity leave or um, on sabbatical, I think both. Uh, and so I'd kind of pop into Ken's office and say, hey, Ken, uh, could I, uh, I don't know what you're doing. Doesn't matter to me. I'm, you're talking about me right now. I didn't say it that way, but that's kind of what happened. Uh, and Ken was very gracious. So th- thank you. I think, uh, you know, it's been a year, Jay, and I think I just erased the last, <laughs> this sounds terrible when I say it out loud, but I just erased the last remnants of your handwriting off my whiteboard, which finally got hung, by the way. So it's hanging the right direction. <laughs> uh, um, the, it comes full circle because I have a giant whiteboard uh, in my home office um, that's not hung either. Yeah. So that's how it works. <laughs> The, um, I gave mine away. So, so let, <laughs> let me give a little background. So, you know, Jay mentions he comes in and, you know, before he had come to pitch, he had come to pitch a, a business idea. And, and the yeah. one thing that I um, know and, and really love and admire about Jay is the intensity of his passion for the things that he is interested in. So, so if you remember this, Jay, the first time we met, um, you were here pitching me an idea of how we could make a successful and sustainable, and I'll that needs air quotes there because it's got mm-hmm. a double meeting there, um, and yeah. sustainable business by um, creating a circular economy around trash. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I remember loving the idea just didn't fit into where we were as a brand new college because we were a brand mm-hmm. new college that year uh, that, that you came to visit. 
but not even yet. You hadn't we you hadn't gone through that yet. Uh, I walked into the 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 right room at the wrong time. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what the it was. Perfectly wrong time. Yeah. But so no in idea. my experience, you know, not only that that passion and that idea of when we first met, but you know, so you you come with us to Regis, and then you bring just those so many ideas all the time, and you're thinking through, and you're really, you know, you're blowing the minds of our students that tend to want or believe they want to think in a linear fashion. Um, and, and you're bringing all these things in on the side and you're hitting them over the head with these, with these things that come in, you know, left, right, and center. And I love it. I, I mean, I think that's the best part about it. Um, mm. You know, it, 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 it tended to freak out those undergrads because they just haven't done that before. And so, you know, they were, they were, they were busily adjust, adjusting in your value chain management class, but I think it was fantastic. Um, Thank you. And, and, you know, we worked on a bunch of ideas. You actually uh, made it to the, to the spring yeah. in our innovation challenge with, with a business right. idea and had students come in and we're working with you and uh, on starting that business. And, and then since you moved, like everything here in Denver got a little bit upended, um, aside from the massive amounts of connections that you still managed to make somehow. Thank you for that. But you- Oh, right. I keep sending you people. You, yeah. you do. Um, but you moved to Seattle. And, and did yeah. you know Josh before? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Josh and I, um, my co-founder, Josh, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was my in. He, so I knew Josh when I first uh, lived in Seattle. Okay. So uh, Regis was kind of the, um, the next step on a, what does J plus education look like? Like I, I learned something and uh, I want to share it. That's just kind of how I operate. And then I learn more through that sharing too. Yeah. Uh, and so I was doing that. So teaching at Regis came after living in uh, Washington and Seattle the first time. Uh, Josh was an undergrad at UW. And so somehow, I don't remember how I did it. Uh, I kind of black out in certain situations. This is one of those. Um, <laughs> like if it gets super stressful or super exciting, like I don't remember. Um, but I somehow got myself into... The UW. Oh yeah, they have an environmental innovation challenge, um, and so I was uh, working at uh, the a compost and a can company at the time. They just rebranded, uh, now called Chomp. Um, <laughs> and so one of the the coworker, my coworkers, uh, couldn't make it, and so he's like, "Hey, you want to go?" I was like, "Wait, I got a room full of ideas, uh, and it's sustainability and startups. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's do it." Um, so I walked in and I was like, oh, this is amazing. It was like a kid at a candy store and I uh, had a great time. And then I'd keep going up to these booths and, and kind of ask questions. And, and, um, I was like, where's your marketing person? You know, where's your storyteller? And they said, uh, we got five engineers. I'm like, yeah, I could tell. Got a lot of engineering. <laughs> where's the storytelling? And then I met this guy, Josh. So that's, that's kind of the, we're finally getting to the, uh, answer the question. Um, so Josh showed up, I was doing kind of one of these informal things. They, they call it BYOB, bring your own business or build your own business. Um, I forget. And uh, it's just, you know, me in a room full of undergrads who are like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, or, you know, I was sitting and eating pizza and thinking about, uh, and so we'd kind of work through their ideas. Uh, and Josh showed up uh, pretty consistently. And he said something that just totally floored me. He said, I, I did some math. I was like, okay, that's a good start. Uh, there's a million marketing majors and a hundred thousand jobs. 
okay. Uh, what do you do with that information? And he's like, well, I, how am I going to get a job? Like, yep, that's good. <laughs> like, you got good data. You you did a good analysis. What are you thinking? And so he was working on um, kind of a, I think he called it side degree. And we worked on some workshops together and um, and went to that EIC teams. I went back to, to Lauren Brohan, who's uh, at the UW, uh, fantastic, and said, hey, Lauren, I came too late to the EIC. Can I come earlier? Uh, and she said, yeah, that way I came too late because it was, I'm a, I'm a judge. I can't actually make any improvements. I can't do anything with these teams. Um, and so Josh and I started to put together some workshops. So his idea was practical experience. Um, real world experience is what you need to go get that one of those uh, 100,000 jobs. Uh, and so I was kind of bringing some of my experience. We were testing it out with students. We had a whole whole idea. Um, but that's where, that's where we met. Uh, and then we kind of both went our own separate ways. He went down to Florida and Disney, which is why that's, that was going to be my in, uh, for the movie reference, but some, some, uh, that's, some that's a long Disney answer. movie. We'll work a Disney movie reference in here. You know, I got plenty of them. I I, I'm just sitting on one. I, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll, we'll see if it works. We were talking that was a long that. story. So I got to, I got to pause. So, um, so you moved back to Seattle. Yeah. You, you, you reconnect with Josh. You still have these giant, um, uh, you know, Jay is alive, passionate conversations with Josh. And, and now we were you're already doing this in Denver just to time. That's right. But that's yeah. right. So now you, yeah. you, you, you and Josh, you found a business called Emerald Bison. Uh, give us the story yeah. behind the name, Jay. Yeah. Um, so Emerald, uh, Bison, so Emerald city, Seattle, um, it's kind of the easy one, um, but the bison creates the land that it lives on. Um, so the Great Plains, uh, the the Wisconsin glacier comes and deposits all these great um, mm -hmm. resources to the plants can grow. But if you don't have a big heavy animal to eat and then kick up the, the ground and then poop and do all the things that the bison does, you can't actually great uh, create Great Plains. Um, so the bison is kind of the, the thing that creates its own environment. And so, uh, that's the, the bicycle, we'll start with bike. Um, uh, but when we see the bicycle as kind of this vehicle for change, that's really exciting. So, yeah. so Jay, you have this passion, you have this passion for yeah. the bicycle, this, this, yeah. this passion for the planet and the, and the protection of the planet. So tell us a little bit about what you and Josh get together and what Emerald Bison is attempting to accomplish. Um, yeah, sorry. I was expecting the history question and I got the elevator pitch question, um, <laughs> ask, answering the question that they asked. So, uh, basically we, we, well, I'll give a little more history. So we, we both kind of came from our side. So he was looking at housing and an experience and it was in Disney and seeing this escapism, uh, and, and Di Walt Disney actually came to this at the end of his life. Uh, do you know what Epcot stands for? Let's see if I remember now, uh, but it's experimental prototype community of tomorrow. And so Walt Disney hates uh, traffic, hates stop signs or stoplights. And he, he redesigns the whole city and there's these different layers and Epcot kind of that little bubble is supposed to be this giant um, city. And uh, he never gets to it, uh, at least the way that he envisioned it. But Josh is asking this housing question and seeing how transportation impacts housing. Uh, and I'm asking a materials question. So the, the business that I 
was working on um, there was a a aluminum can recycling business, uh, and then I came to the realization that uh, recycling is kind of guilt mitigation primarily, and we can't actually be take make waste the kind of the trash with a slightly worse or slightly better and slightly worse solution of recycling. Uh, we have to kind of rethink some things, uh, and so. I was working on DIY popcorn guy uh, and is subscription and reusables and a whole longer story. Um, but I said, Hey, we're going to be dropping things off at your door, picking them up uh, on an e, you know, electric charged truck. Uh, what if that was a bicycle? And so that kind of was the first step to us say, Oh, huh. So the car kind of traffic, all of that stuff, if we, did bicycles that that bison story I was telling before, we would open up a lot of a lot of doors to to accomplish the things we're looking at. So that's kind of the the broader context that we that brought us together, that kind of where our interests aligned. Um, and so now I'll answer the we 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 had three kind of working principles. Um we said fewer trips in cars, uh never a uh, more people on bikes and never an empty bike lane. So those are kind of the the organizing principles. And then we spent a lot of time um, kind of digging in and what does that look like? What's the how here? How do we how do we make that happen? Uh, and so we said, well, our backgrounds are B two B and B two C. And so if we bring the people, if we bring the herd, if we bring the you know those <laughs> folks, the bison uh, on the bike, then. To the businesses, the business now sees the bicycle as a economic driver, as a revenue generator, uh, and they'll start to create uh, offerings for those people. And then now we've got the businesses, and we say, "Hey, great! You have to be, you've got to do some things to be able to handle that new customer, those new revenue that we're going to bring you." Uh, and then uh, we get a little flywheel. So the business makes a new offering. That offering is more attractive to more people. Now more people, more businesses, and that's kind of the the relationship that we're trying to build as a B2B and a B2C company uh, at the same time, uh, which hopefully I'll get to some of my questions uh, in a, if I stop talking. Yes. Uh, so, um, yeah. you know, that's, that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that with us, Jay. You know, you, um, you and I talk often and, and, and you push me on this question and you said, um, you know, because we get into all these conversations and we start to do some of the align work, uh, alignment work in our conversations, you and I. And I just mm -hmm. said, well, we should stop talking and just invite you on the podcast and do it live for our listeners. So here we are. Here yeah. we are. And that's and that's where we're going to do it. And so we'll we'll let you. What, what part of what you're doing now should we work on? Great question. Uh, I actually took some notes beforehand so that I could <laughs> I could maximize. It's one of the things that Josh is teaching me. Um, I'm open to the universe as a fault. Um, and so I'll get us into rooms. Uh, but then Josh says, well, what do you want to accomplish? And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, so so I, I uh, one of the things that that I think we're I just, I just uh, a yeah. quick thought. Don't. Uh, yeah, if I may. A way of coming at that is not to think of it as a fault, rather see it as what's possible with it. What can I do with that? So, so many, so many of us look at ourselves and think about different faults that we have or different characteristics of who we are, 
without actually stopping for a moment and, and thinking it and taking it in the other direction, which is, okay, what's the possibility it presents? And yeah, it's, uh, it's much like having a misalignment. It's an opportunity mm-hmm. and to look at it so I, that. Sorry, I, appreciate I just the wanted positive. to drop that in there. No, thank you. And, and I was going to say the double-edged sword. Like we have a lot of phrases that we've developed, oh. kind of an yeah. internal shorthand. I yep. feel like this is somewhere on the the alignment framework. Um, it's in one of those books that you gave me at some point. <laughs> I haven't read yet. Um, but we have, you know, the double-edged sword, right? What's the the thing that, and that's kind of how I phrased it. The thing that allows me to do X kind of holds me back with Y. And so it's one of these things where. I've learned from Josh uh, and and he's learned from me. We, you know, we've grown together. We found that alignment. Um, we actually had to call it jazz uh, inspired by you, Edgar, uh, that, that when we're doing our best work, uh, it's, the whole is greater than the sum of parts. And so I'll say something and then whole riffs on it. And, you know, we go back and forth. And if one of us, uh, usually me grabs the mic too long, uh, the other one kind of says, Hey, what do you, you know, I'm, I'm here too. Uh, so, um, you can actually see that you. happening in jazz yeah. bands when somebody starts really taking off and the other players are looking at each other and saying, okay, so how do we signal them to come to, yeah, to, to rap? Mm-hmm. Well, that part of a relationship is really hard, right? Yeah. I mean, and that yeah. is the, um, yeah, I mean, I know I've been accused, uh, a lot of, let me back up. I've, I've worked with some former colleagues um, mm. who, who had a little bit of uh, introversion, but I don't think that was the introversion was just merely a, de- a description that they own themselves, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't come into a conversation unless they were invited. Mm. They couldn't figure out when we were going to rap. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. they never tried to get in. Yeah. And I think there's uh there's so much to be learned from that, from watching jazz musicians play. Uh, one is um, how they signal each other, and I think probably the most important aspect is how they listen to one another so they can hear when, when that moment comes. They can, by listening, to one, uh, by listening to each other, also one can be soloing, and what's mm-hmm. happening behind them matters so much and listening to that so much and what the percussionist is doing. And there's such a great lesson to be learned in listening to one another that comes from that. So the riffing is much like the improv <laughs> idea. It's the yes and, yes and, and the continuum yeah. of that, 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 that brings yeah. that to life. So I anyway, think for, yeah, never stop riffing is, is, is what I, what I, uh, yeah. Agreed. No, thank you. And, and I think the kind of what is Jay's growth, and and we I, we we speak about this very openly, right? Well, between the two of us, we basically said, um, uh, "Hey, what are we going to invest in? Like, what's the most important thing that we can do?" Um, and us as individuals, uh, and then us together mm-hmm. uh, is, is something we put a lot of investment in um, to the point where it's it's painful. Uh, I have to remind ourselves, like, remind myself and ourselves uh, that that's not slow that's just good foundation building. Uh, and it doesn't seem like we've done anything because we kind of dig down first and lay that foundation. And then just now we're starting to put some, some things on top. And even then it's, 
Yeah. yeah and, and what you just hit on is really important because we see so often with the urgency to move forward, mm-hmm. unless mm-hmm. you do that foundational work, you're going to come back to it. At some point, you're yeah. going to come back to yeah. how does it align <laughs> and where it is that you want to go. And those, are, those alignment pieces are going to show, the misalignments will show up, accept them for yeah. what they are, and have some patience in terms mm-hmm. of having the dialogue and the conversation to get there. That thank you. No, the patience I think is is kind of is huge. Um, the you can't shake the founders is is one of those big phrases that we repeat a lot. Uh, and then for us, it's the kind of that the potential of what we can do together is so great. Um, but that ends up kind of going the other way too on us sometimes. Uh, and so our ability. So yeah, I saw you get curious there, Edgar. Uh, always. Yeah. Yeah. No, keep going. Yeah. yeah. Bring bring a little more context to that to that comment, Jay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's there's a there's a, a gentleman uh, named Nathan um, who who runs who you've met uh, who's been at the mentor he's been a mentor at the uh, Mentor Saturdays, uh, and so I found him on a podcast. Like, I'll I'll just get curious about something um, and pick up a piece and start pulling on the thread. And so I I came across this thing called uh, internal family systems. Um, or IFS. Um, I think Tim Ferriss uh, had it on a podcast, and and then uh, and Dick Schwartz, who's the kind of father of this uh, whole thing, was there, and they did a demo. Um, so it, for them, it's kind of what we're doing right now, where you you get a chance to see what is it like to be in a session in an IFS session. And so Tim Ferriss is like, and I'm just to paint the picture. I've got my headphones on, like my uh, you know special headphones, so I can ride my bike. I'm riding home from, uh, I think from Regis already, uh, and I'm listening to Tim Ferriss, like led by uh, Dick Schwartz, Richard Schwartz, close his eyes, think about himself when he's, you know, in fourth grade and he's like going deep and talking to a younger version of himself uh, in this kind of meditative mm-hmm. state. Uh, and like, I don't know if the tears came out yet or not, but like, I couldn't keep riding. Like it was getting dangerous. Luckily, it was a, a bike, not a car. Uh, but I'm like riding home, uh, listening to this this whole kind of n- new idea of therapy. Uh, that like cognitive therapy is is very you know talk or behavior, and IFS is we're gonna go so deep inside of you, uh, and you're gonna talk to yourself. Uh, I don't know that I'm doing a good job describing it, but it had a, a, a significant impact on me. Is is why I'm bringing it up, uh, and so I, I chased it down. Nathan does this kind of therapy, um, found it, found him, started doing it. Uh, Josh and I had, you know, we'd have kind of a, a weekly or, or monthly call. Um, and at some point Josh was like, you're different. What's been going on? You know, what's up? And I was like, about two months ago or, or so I started this thing with Nathan, this IFS. And he said, yeah, I could tell like, yeah, it's working. Um, and so a lot of these deep, things kind of that can't check the founders what's really going on getting yeah. curious uh ifs gave me a chance to like language and and kind of the map a little bit and a guide uh and so then of course i got i got josh to start doing it uh which that's about all i'm going to say uh he's th- our big question the question i'm coming in to answer yours earlier ken is um what do we do when not if the thing that I, the power that I bring in matches with the power that Josh brings in. And then we kind of go negative. Right. Um, and so I do something 
I push us a little bit farther. Maybe it's a new sales opportunity. Maybe it's a podcast. Uh, and Josh gets a fear response and says, hey, what's that? And then that triggers my fear response, uh, which means I move faster, uh, which he doesn't feel heard. And I don't feel heard. And then before we know it, you know, uh, it, it's it's sideways, uh, wrapping, kind of connecting some dots. At the beginning of this, when that happened, we'd be out for a week. Like we would just be done. Somebody would hit too hard, hit, go too, you know, go too deep, um, and we'd feel terrible. Uh, both the victim and the aggressor, and everyone kind of got. Uh, it's picturing a cartoon with like everybody fighting, right? The claws come out, uh, so everybody feels terrible. And now we kind of do, hey, something's up. Like, <laughs> Josh will ask me, hey, what's going on? You okay? Um, and I'm like, oh, what happened? He's like, I just noticed a shift. I was like, oh, yeah, I think I got scared. I think I got angry. Uh, and that that inquiry or inquiry, uh, where that come from? And we'll kind of, we, we've shortened the time on those things. So it, the intensity is, is shorter the duration is shorter. Everything's kind of quicker. There's, yeah. So I've got some thoughts um, as I'm listening to you that I just want to share. Uh, the first one yeah. is, is that um, that idea of talking to your child and, mm-hmm. you know, that question of what would you say or what, what would you tell that child now? Cause mm-hmm. your, your reasoning capabilities, a child isn't well, well developed yet. Um, mm-hmm. And you're looking at it from a different perspective, from a different form. And I think that's important because you can carry that into your adulthood and, adulthood and use it, which is kind of yeah. like take, taking the observer role and you mm-hmm. see yourself perhaps as that aggressor or that victim in the moment and be able to mm-hmm. say, okay, wh- now what would you tell that, that mm-hmm. person? What are you observing mm-hmm. in that person and what would you tell them? Mm-hmm. What, what, do you, what can you tell them? Because you're, you actually can. It's not like yeah. a child, you know, there's, a, there's that sense that often – times um innocence innocence is a remarkable uh it's a re a remarkable barrier to pain yet you, we feel it as a child and the same thing then happens as an adult and a great way to come at that then is that that third piece of the aggressor the victim keep in mind the aggressor is full of fear uh, you know it's not just the victim that takes mm-hmm. on the role of fear mm-hmm. the aggressor becomes hostile or aggressive or um, overly demanding out of a fear of not getting what they want. So a great place to go to that is you, you take that all and you put it together and you say, well, in that moment, isn't it a great idea to just express what the concern or fear is in that moment so that it doesn't wind up being a um, um, an uncontrollable or a conflict that, that, that uh, deteriorates the... Uh, let alone the dialogue or conversation that deteriorates the relationship. And that's kind of like what, to, that's what it's at risk when you say, well, yeah. And then for a week with destroyed or, you know, we're not, we're not able to communicate. Um, one of the most powerful things you can do is look at that child and say, recognize what the child was afraid of and see it in ourselves as adults and then be able to name it. And there's a idea of, you know, what are you feeling? Um, I think there's a much more reasoned and mature approach to that to be able to say, hey, I, you know, I just want to pause here. This is my concern. This is my fear. And be able to step into that and invite the other person through empathy to be able to then to uh, 
to also then, in reciprocity, to be able to address theirs, to open up that dialogue, um, just like you would with your own child. It's kind of interesting the way that you just piece those pieces together. Yeah. I, you know, I think if you add the idea of, of, of that intention setting that we always talk about too, um, you know, especially yeah. at the front end of conflict, that if you can bring that, you know, talking to, to your, yourself as a child, your own child, your, your co-founder, and, and that space where you're struggling to, to reset an intention. There's, I, I, in the work that we do, I've realized that you can never go back to setting the intention enough. Like it will always serve you to continue to come back to that intention. Yeah, because it makes you conscious of what you really want from the relationship and then to articulate it and bring it into the spoken realm. Yeah, uh, Jay, I, I'm curious. Uh, you said you're going to try and beat me with the movie reference, and so I'm going to I'm going to open end the movie reference. But as as you're as you're sharing this, I'm going to bring uh, back a conversation. You and I happened to be on the phone yesterday, but um, I, I'm hearing in this almost every hero's journey, right? This idea of getting back yeah. to, to to figuring out what things are really the root of, and you talked about the when too much positive makes a negative is, is how I heard you say that mm. was uh, every I never he- thought of it that way. Thank you. No, that that's, that's very helpful. I'm pausing you to kind of give myself space to process. Yeah. Uh, so, I never thought of it in that way. Yeah. So every hero's journey, you mentioned Disney earlier. So, you know, we can walk into any of the, any of the, the Marvel stories, um, and the Avengers and things like that. Um, we just, my youngest daughter would kick my butt. It's the same template. Let's call it. It is the template, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. You can go back. Yes. It's the context. Oliver's travels. It doesn't matter what you. Conflict. And then here you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is that standard uh, hero's journey. And Disney does it probably better than anyone. Right. Yeah. My, my youngest daughter would kick my butt by mixing the Disney DC universes, but you know, we just watched Shazam too. Um, and, no, my, and my grandson does that. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm I, with you. I, I can't keep it straight. Like, you know, I don't remember which one Batman's ever in honestly. And she's, she's, you know, she gets the, Oh my God, dad, you're so old sigh and just corrects me uh, with no patience whatsoever there. Um, but the, uh, Shazam 2, you know, this is the, um, this is one of those DC stories that is really, um, I didn't know that we would like it, right? I mean, the, the, mm. the hero gets, gets a power um, unexpectedly. But in the mm-hmm. second one, um, he and his group of friends have this power. And, and they're really trying to figure out how to use it. And that's, that's why the movie uh, kind of came Ooh. up in my mind is they're really experimenting with how to make the best use of this power, right? It's kind of okay. like, uh, um, you know, the Dark Knight movies come out here because it's the same story. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's the same story. But, you know, Dark Knight's trying to figure out how to save the, the people in Gotham and, um, you know, and then it ends up kind of self-destructing. So, you know, this too much positive that's is really, yeah. Um, that fatal flaw. That's exactly what it is. So I, you know, I think it's pick, take your pick of any movies you would want to take a pick of there. Well, I would say Marvel just to, just for something for, for your own. Uh, I, I was hearing in your story there, the fear and the aggressor of like, what's your daughter afraid of uh, in that moment <laughs> comes up. Um, I have oh, another friend yeah. who you've met uh, who's moving to town. Uh, Robbie, Robbie yeah. at Omnidian. Um, 
he was the first one um, to ask these two kind of fundamental questions that I, I heard them in this way. And I'm sure that there's other ways of asking it of what's the fear, what need isn't being met. And as soon as I had that, those two tools, wow, like every conversation now is open. Like if we're not happy, why not? Right. Like it's probably a fear or a, or a need. Uh, it might be food. My daughter in the background. That's right. Needed a bottle. <laughs> so well, uh, glad she's yeah. with us. Um, uh, talk, talk, introduce the, the me model. Oh, the me model. Um, it's all about me. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's really about a consciousness of understanding your own behavior. So understanding my own behavior gives me mm -hmm. uh, a greater sense of awareness. Then from that awareness, I have the most powerful thing in life, which is choice. Mm -hmm. And so now mm -hmm. I, I can choose. I can also, by understanding my own behavior and what motivates my behavior, I open up to understanding others. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not mm -hmm. all looking for the same uh, need or desire to be fulfilled as as we behave in, in, in certain ways. And then last and not least is if I'm aware of my, my behavior and I change it, I influence others differently. I have a different impact or influence on others. When that happens, I get a different sense of fulfillment. I get it. I get something for myself in a different way, and so I actually wind up changing how I feel. Yeah. I mm -hmm. I change how I think and see myself, which mm -hmm. is so so powerful. It is, and so the me model is about understanding my motivations, my self concept, mm -hmm. who I am, my ideal self, and who I'm striving to be in my life, and who, you know. The real me and how does the real me yeah. come to, to how do I manifest that and that consciousness gives me that that power of choice and so that idea of what is my fear and what it what is motivating me in the moment allows and opens me up to that idea that I can simply and, and there's so much truth in this it is as long as I'm cognizant and capable and uh, you know I can think and reason I, I can choose and that is so so powerful so if uh, you're heading in the wrong direction on conversation with Josh, you get to choose the behavior to say, hey, time out. Here's my intention. Yeah. Right now I'm concerned about this. Yeah. I don't know what your daughter's concerned about. It could be just that dad's not with the program and it could be <laughs> embarrassing right in front there. of my <laughs> friends someday. I don't want to be so embarrassed in front Marvel. of my friends someday. I don't know. But I, I want to give this to Ken as the resident uh, you know, movie expert or movie referencer. I don't know. Uh, so DC, so Stan Lee used to work at DC. I don't know if you know this whole story. Right. But the characters were too flat for him. Yeah. And so all the Marvel characters are more complicated. So it's like, is the fatal flaw pretty straightforward? Like Batman's pretty straightforward as a character. Um, where my wife and I are watching all of the Marvel movies uh, in order, in, in like chronology versus when they were released. Yeah. So it all starts to make sense. So one of our sons came down and said, what are the, what's going on? Right. And it's a big fight scene. Um, and I'm like, well, he's like, well, who's the bad guy? I'm like, well, actually they're both on this. They're <laughs> yeah, both yeah. Avengers. Uh -huh. uh, and he's like, well, what are they doing? Like they're fighting. And this goes, and I said, uh, sometimes people, when they have conflict, can't use their words and they use you know they communicate some other way and that's what they're 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 trying to resolve their conflict right now yeah, uh, and i was like i'm going to use this tomorrow with you and your brother <laughs> <laughs> there's and there's something that goes all the way back to something and just to reframe it is that mm -hmm. your strengths also cast the longest shadows 
and that's the mm-hmm. shadow side, right? And and yeah. once you yeah. once you move into that shadow, I think there mm. there more importantly is is that that uh, that I can't use my words anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, that's a, in a way that's a giving up of a of a choice. And now yeah. if we choose yeah, yeah. to give up our words and and do battle in a different way. I would suggest you in most instances that's a, that's a, and when we talk about larger scale war, we're talking about mm-hmm. the shadow side of who we are as, as humankind. Hey, diplomacy fails. Yeah. Right. That's when you have to move to something else. Well, that bridge um, and you, we can invite Edgar to, to and then we can blame yeah. it on diplomacy as opposed to our own choices. That's what right. We're doing right now. Oh. It becomes diplomacy. We, we once remove it from ourselves. How <sighs> elegant is that? Right. Yeah, we've yeah. got somebody else to blame it on. Yeah, Man. Then we can well, really call out the bullshit. Well, I've got you to blame everything yeah. on Edgar. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> a lot of people do. That's okay. Before, That's before I was ignorant of all of these things, now I <laughs> thank you for opening my eyes well, again. And, and that bridge of emotion in the me model, right? I, yeah. I mean, the idea mm. that you know between your behavior and, and your self-concept are, mm. are your emotions. And, and, you, mm-hmm. and you, you mentioned that a couple times, Edgar, is, is realizing those yeah, emotions goes, as they come up that fear you become consciousness of the conscious of the emotion then mm-hmm. you can start peeling away and say okay what what really is uh, what's 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 that need what's that desire i'm seeking for a fulfillment of and the fear is that i'm not going to get it that mm-hmm. i'm going to fall short here and and so that and i think that's why when we when we work with with clients even and leadership teams and groups we go into that realm to be able to say well okay Emotional intelligence, wonderful. What does it tell you? What does it tell you? And and what's really going on here? And you can mm-hmm. see that in group mm-hmm. dynamics. Uh, you can see that in how people think strategically. It's really quite, quite powerful to be able to peel that away. And then also that the conflicts and the misalignments, misalignment is a form of fear. Our own internal mm-hmm. misalignments are that I'm fearful I'm not in alignment to who I really want to be and, and – uh, how I'm expressing myself. Yeah. Well, and Jay, I brought up the, you know, the um, Marvel and DC movies because when you and I were talking last night, you, you had shared kind of you and Josh have superpowers and, and mm-hmm. to bring back to this question of, you know, when our, when our positives um, mm-hmm. end up hurting us, uh, share with our audience kind of, you know, your self-professed superpowers for the two of you. Yeah, so um, we we came up with I think this is what you're talking about. We came up with uh, I think Josh did it. Came up with uh, you know if we were superheroes, like what would the Marvel uh, what would our our names be? Um, and Josh is the listener. Like he just he, I don't know how he does it, and and I he shared with me some of the kind of the deeper personal stuff. Uh, that's that's the openness that we have between us, and so I will respect that and kind of pause there. But uh, where it comes from is kind of one thing but he's got this superpower he goes into an experience and is like so these are the 300 ways that you're telling a story and you're creating an experience for your customer and you don't realize it because you just you're not the listener that i am right like other humans the you know the side of the football field where they have the big giant you know you can hear inside the huddle like that's his ears it's like constantly <laughs> hearing and seeing and i'm like you know, it, it will go places and he'll do this. And he's like, it gives me the look like, hey, can I can I do my thing? And I'm like, of course, one of my favorite things, like why we built this company is so we could sit back, look at the other and say, there he is, folks, doing his thing. Like, that's the thing I'm always wanting. 
um, like that's the praise that I want is just some is to be seen, uh, is to to have somebody see me do my thing. Um, so he's he's the listener, uh, and I'm the the idea machine. Uh, so it's it could be very powerful, right? Like we ha- we're in a meeting with somebody, we got the meeting because I just started pitching ideas. Uh, and they said, that's cool. We don't, we don't have any ideas around here. Bring us more. Uh, and then we'll leave the meeting and Josh will be like, so did you, did you hear the most important phrase of the entire meeting? I'm like, no. (laughs) And, And that's what's so powerful though, is that I can do my thing, right? I can kind of jab body blows and he can come in for a hook or we're not trying to, you know, I'm glad and you're not speaking the language of the aggressor, by the way. I know, I know. As I was saying, what is like, that on this podcast, wow. I don't have a better one though. But give me, give me a better one, Edgar. Instead of body blows and boxing, I'm just—I feel like I'm pelting. I'm throwing ideas at people. What else could I? Riffing, sharing, riffing, improv, uh, building, uh, expanding minds. I yep. use Ken's language expanding. from before. Yeah. Um, so, oh, I'm expanding in the emotional experience of possible, right? Of mm-hmm you know, we felt so closed and so narrow. And now this guy, this idea machine came in and we're no longer sitting inside of a closed box. We're in an open field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then Josh can kind of listen and watch and say, I'm like, okay, great. So now we have kind of the sales meeting afterwards. What do we do next? Uh, and he says, this is the thing that they got excited about. And to me, it's kind of all the same. Uh, and for him, he's able to kind of pick in those things. So that's the, that's, I think when we're doing our best work uh, is is when those two things are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Jay, yeah. if I may, and, and you'll have to yeah. figure out where the boundaries are here. Um, you know, I, I tell yeah. my, my family that, you know, there are no there are no boundaries. Like my life is coming into the podcast, whether they like it or not. Um, it's just like a stand up would a stand up comedian would, yeah. would bring in yeah. their own experiences. But the yeah. um, you know, mm. as you as you share with with as you have shared with me one of the conversations you and Josh get into is we need to figure out what the product or service is now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we don't need Thank more yeah. input i don't need more ideas at this point it's yeah funny you say that so so that's kind of his tendency right is 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 let's uh we had this analogy of geology where he throws we put everything on the board on on a table and he's kind of picking it up and and examining it. Um, but so we've got, oops. Jay, you should introduce your daughter. Up. She's going to be on the, she's going to be on the podcast. Uh, when I thought yeah, all she, that she time, it was your child byline. trying to speak up. Yeah. Um, say again? I thought that was your inner child trying to speak up. So anyway, <laughs> I'm, glad can, I'm glad I can see her. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, there's, there's an Ant-Man reference there. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm I, I'm looking for a good one. It's not that I don't have a, a ton of references. I I, I want the winner though. Yeah, um, so so uh, what does respect look like? As you were talking, the boundaries and respect. I think that's a that's that. Uh, one of the things, me, but, yeah. And before you do that, yeah. one of the things that I go to before yeah. answering that is, I thought it was so powerful before when you when you spoke to the openness in your relationship, because you know, openness mm-hmm. is about being truthful. Mm-hmm. That's what openness is. I'm being truthful. Uh, and, trust. I, and yeah, and then also how you hear one another with openness, which yeah. becomes so critical. I, I just wanted to make, reference Thank that, you. go back to that for a moment before you speak to the idea of how it is that you establish, lack of a better term, boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I think boundaries is uh, is right on. So so 
what happens in my mind and and, and ken has seen this um I'm not really sure how to best harness this, but you give me a business idea kind of back to that BYOB. And I did this with um, Mm -hmm. some folks at at Regis and you give me an idea and and I'll just start to riff with it, right? I'll I'll do my thing. Um, And so, you know, the whiteboard will be filled with all kinds of connections you would never, I don't even know, right? Like they just kind of come out. And so I think the challenge for me is sometimes I need to not, and I feel this way, whether we can explore that, um, but I have something inside that I need to get out. um, And that I'm starting to see is a boundary issue, right? Like I'm I'm asking something of Josh, I'm asking for emotional labor, emotional energy from him. And sometimes, and so, so the Brene Brown's, what does support look like for me is you sit there and listen. Uh, cause he's the listener, right? And it, it, when he does it, it's great. Uh, but sometimes what I need and what he can offer don't match. And we hit up that boundary and, and the opposite is true as well. Um, yeah, when they don't match, he, not matching is misalignment. Yeah. So, um, so the opportunity what, then, yeah. do you take that then to that place of the conversation, which is where, where's the mismatch? Yeah. Um, and so what I'm just going to use, I'll do some more Brene Brown, which I don't, I, I, I need to read more Edgar so I can quote you back to you. Um, no worries. But, Please. but she, so she's got, uh, you know, what does support look like for you? And I was going to say, what does support look like from you? Um, it's kind of a, a play that we've come up with, but, um, but she, I recently heard her say, uh, you know, the check-in of where are you and what am I asking and how much energy do you have? Uh, and Josh just invented a new idea for us, which is, Hey, what if we pick this up later? Like we never think of the pause or the stop button. And I'm, I'm noticing the time, uh, and kind of, I get to see you, which is really cool. Uh, <laughs> that we're hitting, hitting a boundary, uh, which I have an aversion to. So <laughs> bringing that awareness, knowing that about myself makes it a little bit easier so to the say. Answer, so the yeah. answer to the question is, you you have an alignment around how you can communicate when you've hit the, the it's time to hit the pause mm-hmm. button. Mm-hmm. It's time to hit pause. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean, I'm, I always come back to this, and I, listen, it was funny. My, my father, uh, near the end of his life, he had a stroke, and you had to have mm-hmm. some patience when you, when you spoke with mm-hmm. him because he would repeat himself. And now as I get older, I'm just realizing that I just do it and I haven't had a stroke yet, but, but you know, this idea that alignment moves, right? I, I mean, you, you get it and it moves. And, and I love That's that. Training, yeah. I love that tool, Edgar, that you just gave is that mm-hmm. sometimes the alignment isn't necessarily about the thing that is right in front of you, but there is something else that there might be alignment in mm-hmm. and you can use that as a tool to move forward. Right, you don't have to just solve everything all the time in every single moment. There are some mm-hmm. things that you align on here, and we can use that as a placeholder to go back and do further work on the other thing that has moved all of a sudden. I think there's two thoughts I have about that. The first quick one is, when that happens, um, articulate. I think it's good to articulate that moment and say, "Where are we?" Uh, so that mm-hmm. so that there's a clarity, because so often as we know in communication, people walk uh, walk away with a different idea of what what just was mm-hmm. what was just said and understood, just mm-hmm. like I, you mm-hmm. know setting the expectation up front. 
So I think that's a, a really important aspect of that. Um, and the other part of it is that um, uh, when you when you step away from it, um, to keep track of what you're thinking is and what your ideas are, so you can bring them back with you, mm-hmm. so that you can you build a. It's it's much like um, if you're. Uh, I do this all the time with with music, uh, mm-hmm. to walk away from something, and then I'll still be thinking about it and riffing in my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a, becomes important for me to be able to, and I carry around my little black notebook <laughs> and to, to write it down. So when I come back to the conversation, here you go, this is, and very often because there's a different emotional state that I'm in, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of let go of the fear of having the right answer mm-hmm. or being right there in the moment. I, I can just let it flow and find that flow and then have that and, and carry that back to the conversation. So the idea being, let let's let's be clear on where we're at, and then let's let's just because we're walking away from it doesn't mean we we stop thinking mm-hmm. or harnessing mm-hmm. what's what's possible. Yeah, Sorry, I have a lot on that. Too but. quick. <laughs> oh, I love it. I you know I also I think this is a wonderful thing about. Um, there was an article in Harvard Business Review a couple years ago about people that tend to have a difficult time ending conversations with each other. Mm. And did you ever see that one? Um, and, and it was really interesting because they don't know quite how to end it. And, mm-hmm. and, and I bring this up because, you know, Jay, as, as you and I have been on the phone and, and talking a lot about some of the people that and businesses that you're meeting, mm-hmm. um, you know, I hear that tension of the, you know, the work isn't done just because we stopped meeting or we're having a struggle how to end this meeting and still continue mm-hmm. to do work. And this might be a tool um, that just like in that personal relationship of saying, you know, here's, here's where we are and communicate that clearly so that everybody walks away with the same thing. You can use that in a business meeting too. It, it doesn't mean that you're never going to come back and riff again. Right. It just is, it's, it's just an opportunity to set the idea of where you are and perhaps even an expectation that you'll continue to riff. Mm-hmm. Always bring the expectation into the spoken realm. <laughs> so simple yet so hard <laughs> so hard practice so, it's a practice so um so jay uh thank you uh, which is uh how do we end this conversation is to be able to say we have to end the conversation because um because of time yeah. and so um i i just want to begin by saying thank you to you we've 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 talked before and um I always find it really energizing and your energy in itself is just wonderful. So, yeah. So thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jay. I'm so glad we, we did this. Um, yeah. You know, we've been, uh, as Edgar and I have been in doing this podcast and we're on episode 51 this time around. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're into our second half of the century going here with our podcast. We've been thinking about, some of the great conversations we have with people and how we get those conversations into our podcast. So thanks. Thanks for joining us and and thanks for pushing us on, on being on. We love it. My pleasure. No, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I want you to end because this is real live. I don't know how to end a conversation, uh, but thank you. I'll, I'll just thank you. And you're very welcome. Uh, it's my pleasure. And when we come back to it and, uh, this is the invitation to have you back again in the future. I'm, I'm yeah, please. Thank you. Great. Uh, I would love that. I don't know. If, I don't want to wait to 
102. So yeah. fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Good, I'm glad you said that. That's exactly I do right. 52. I, I don't want to be too eager uh, with Edgar, but uh, as soon as you want me back, I'm ready. Like I, <laughs> so uh, Jay is on LinkedIn. Um, oh, yeah. EmeraldBison.com. Uh, we're, we've been using this, uh, we're too soon to have a website. We should have that up soon, but, uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way right now. Um, fantastic. And you'll Jay at, uh, emeraldbison.com is the, is the the email, the best way to get in touch and awesome. Yeah. We'll we'll put it in our show notes, uh, with the podcast, um, as well as, uh, as a link to your LinkedIn page. Um, thank Thank you, you. Jay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Edgar. Till next time. Yes. Thank you. No, thank you, Ken. Yeah, thank you, Jay. And uh, this is uh, so. just uh, last and not least, thoughts, comments, questions, anything at all, welcome. Uh, info at truealignment.com. As always, uh, send us a note. We'll respond as quickly as we can and as thoughtfully as we can. And with that, um, thank you for joining us. I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf. Have a great day.